we welcome you now to a true church perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis. Through the fire, we're going to be talking about going through the fire. I know I'm from Texas, so I say fire, but it's fire. (laughs) But we're going to go through the fire. We're going to be talking about going through the fire. Those of you that have been tested and tried, uh, understand something that the earth is being purified. All of the believers that are in Christ, the true remnant of God is being purified now because of the return of Christ. The return of of Christ is so imminent. I'm telling you, I know you've heard it for years. I know people have said it, but according to the word, things have lined up in a way that they never have before, which tells us that the, the, the coming of Christ is very near. And as we approach the coming of Christ, he said that he was coming back for a bride without or a church without spot or wrinkle or spot or blemish. And so that denotes that we must be purified and cleansed before he returns. So that means that a lot of the old stuff you used to do, you can't do anymore. A lot of the ways we used to compromise and just kind of be, you know, lackadaisical and just, you know, not really paying attention. Now we have to pay attention because he's coming back and he's going to get his bride ready. We know that from all of the stories in the Bible that tells us that uh, he prepares his bride for us, uh, for himself. And so that preparation requires persecution. It requires fire. It requires cleansing. It requires all of these things so that the impurities in us can be removed so we can be prepared. Now, I know people, uh, you know, we live under the dispensation of grace. And I know people want to always say, well, it's not by our works. We can't earn salvation and that kind of thing. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about holiness and holiness requires purification. Holiness, living a holy life is living a life that is unto God, which is a sinless life. Not saying that we won't have sin, but we don't practice sin. When we do sin, we ask for forgiveness. We come out of sin, but we don't practice it as a lifestyle. So this is what I'm talking about. The purification of the church, the holiness. The Bible said holiness without no man shall see him. So if he's coming back, he has to make us uh, holy. He has to cleanse us and make us holy as he is holy. And that requires a process. And that process is going through the fire. That's what trials and tribulations do for us. Now, I'm not talking about suffering as an evildoer, but I'm talking about just suffering, period. Uh, all suffering is uh, can be used as a test and a trial to bring us to the place where God needs us to be. So, you know, according to the word, we're going to have to go through the fire. And I'm going to, you know, use the, the, the story of the Hebrew boys. Uh, I'm going to talk about this just to kind of illustrate what going through the fire really represents. We all know that Hebrew boys were cast in the fiery furnace, but there's a backstory to this that I want to deal with. And it's going to kind of uh, shed even more light on this. So uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had uh, erected a image or a statue of himself that was very tall, covered in gold, and he wanted, you know, all of all of the citizens and the, the entire government to bow down before this image, you know, as a sign of his greatness. And this is just strange for Nebuchadnezzar to do after he had already had these dreams. And Daniel had uh, told him in these dreams how the kingdom, how he would fall and the kingdom would fall. But just lifted up in pride, you know, pride just does something to people. He just forgot everything that Daniel told him and he built this statue. And he erected it and commanded that everyone bow down before it. So Daniel three and four 
tells us, then an herald cried aloud to you. It is commanded, O people, nations and languages that in what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the heart, the sackbuck, the psaltery, the dulcimer and all kinds of music. You fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king has set up and whoso falleth not down and worship it shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So this is telling us here that once, you know, he's basically saying, once you hear my music, the music that we're playing uh, or the music that will be played by these strange instruments, this just little strange um, consortium of, of instruments. This was a really weird orchestra, but it was going to just, I guess, give the sound that he needed uh, at the time. It was going to make people fall down and worship him. And those that didn't were going to be punished with death in a fiery furnace. Um, so when we look at the Hebrew boys uh, that were a part of this, we understand they were elevated to a prominent uh, position in the land just because of Daniel and because of, you know, Daniel not eating of the king's meat and, and you know, them being fatter and stronger after that period of time. Um, in Daniel one and then in Daniel two, Daniel prophesied and he was lifted up uh, higher because he was able to interpret the dream, give the dream and the interpretation to the king. So these guys were seated in some pretty good positions here in captivity. So even though they were in captivity, they were they were doing pretty well. Uh, they were living, you know, pretty good in Babylon. And so here comes the test. And that's how it always is when we're comfortable, when we're chilling, when God has put us in a place and kind of given us some of the things that we've always wanted and prayed for or put us in a really good state. Testing comes and that's how it is here. Even in America, you know, we're in a good place in America. We can complain about Trump and complain about uh, the cabinet and the government and the jobs and just different things. But man, we are really in a good place. If you, you know, work hard, you can make it in America. And that's putting us in a really good place. But I do believe that we are all about to be tested. If you haven't, if it hadn't happened already, we're going to be tested and tried just to see uh, where our allegiance is before the return of Christ. Uh, I, I just believe that 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 is what's happening now with a lot of people, just pastors I've talked to all over the country, all over the world, actually, people all over the world that I'm. Uh, that I'm able to communicate with that I met during travels and different things, speaking the truth behind hip hop. A lot of these people are telling me that trials and tribulations, just various ones have begun to happen testing. And, you know, a lot of them just testings that they haven't experienced before uh, are coming up on them. And it's, I do believe it's because the return of Christ is very imminent and the devil uh, is doing all he can to try to uh, make us quit, to try to make us sell out, to make us compromise, Compromise to make us walk off our post, to make us believe a lie, more importantly, the strong delusion that has come to make us buy into it. And this is just a test that's going to happen before the return of Christ. So here we see the Hebrew boys whose names were Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah. And I know those names don't sound as familiar as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, the, the given Hebrew names uh, actually had meaning. Uh, we, we use those names now and we 
know them by those names, but their real names actually had Hebrew meaning. Hananiah meant Yahweh has shown grace. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means the command of Aku, which is a false god, uh, Elamite moon god. And uh, Mishael means who is what God is. And they gave him the pagan equivalent, you know, because I talk about the parallels in my Truth Behind the Hip Hop videos. I talk about the parallels all the time. There's always a parallel of the gods. All of these false gods are parallel to the true and living God. They were just created out of pagan worship. But the pagan equivalent to uh, Mishael is Meshach. And that's how we know that name Meshach, which means who is what Aku is, which Aku is another pagan god. And then Azaria, which is uh, Yahweh has helped. They changed his name to Abednego, which is two words put together, Nego and Abed, which means servant of Nego, which was another false god. So, you know, those names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are actually the pagan names. And we ought to be using Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as their real names. But I, I digress. But whatever the case, I thought that was an important point for us to realize. As you begin to read the word, we begin to understand how important names are. So when you name your children, don't be just putting words together and thinking of something that feels good and rolls off your tongue because you know you're going to be yelling at them and it's easy to say. Or a lot of times you want a lot of syllables in it so you can get your anger out. Don't name your children like that. Let the names have meaning because those meanings are going to carry through mostly the rest of their lives. And if we look up our names, even if you didn't know the meaning of your name, when you look it up, you'll see that you have acquiesced to the meaning of your name because names are very important to God. But uh, back to the story. Um you know, we look at how they stood against the pagan system back then, uh, but we we have to look more into it. We, we have to look deeper into it. Uh, this is not just them standing against the false god, but this is actually them standing against idolatry. And that's very important. What is idolatry? Uh, Webster's defines idolatry as the worship of idols, uh, extreme admiration, love or reverence for something or someone. So it goes beyond just false god, because right now, you know, not many people have statues. And, you know, I know if you're into uh, certain pagan worships or if you're pledged to a Greek fraternity, sorority and all those things, then, yeah, you have statues, you have emblems, you have false god paraphernalia. Uh, or if you're into Santeria or, or in all of these different forms of worship, there are statues and different things or even in the in Catholicism. There are a lot of uh, statues and images and different things. But most of the idolatry in our time in 2020 is the second definition, which is extreme admiration, love or reverence for something or someone. So this is something that has raised itself up, according to the word, as a high place. And this is why certain kings that were brought in as kings of Israel and kings of Judah, they were commanded to tear down high places. Those that were lifted up by God or praised by God were the ones that went after the high places. These high places were physical uh, outwardly back then. But now since the spirit of God dwells in us, these high places are seeking to dwell in God's place or in God's spirit's place inside of us. So the problem we have now in our society and in our world is idolatry that's in our heart. 
hearts. It's in our minds. It's in our, you know, uh, it's inside of us rather than external. So though there may be a statue, there may be an image, there may be, you know, just like I use Greek fraternities and sororities as an example, uh, you know, it, it may be an external brand or it may be an external symbol or it may be a hand sign or whatever. But the true idolatry is in your heart. That's why you step. That's why you dance. That's why you yell and make these sounds because you are aren't you're giving adoration to uh, a false Greek God, which, you know, Paul called those demons or devils uh, in, in to the church of Corinth. So in our Greek like society, the way we think and everything, idolatry uh, is 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 not just statues and pagan symbols. It's anything that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything. Second Corinthians 10 and five says that we have to cast down imaginations. That's in your mind. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, every high thing that exalts itself and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when we're talking about idolatry, it's anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? That's the understanding of God. That's God's word. That's what God knows. His knowledge is what he knows. And these things, idolatry prevents us from getting what he knows. These things rest in our hearts and in our minds and it changes our actions. Idolatry, idols change your actions and and put you in a place where you can't get what God knows. And that's what it's all about. This is why people are vacating the church. This is why people are, you know, leaving God, leaving fellowship, leaving the church, getting away from it. This is why the devil is pulling people away from it, because that's where they're going to learn the knowledge of God. He wants them searching for knowledge on their own. He wants you Googling. He wants you YouTubing. He wants you doing all these things so you can find knowledge on your own, unguided not rightly divided so that you can have a bad understanding of God and and you can cater to yourself and how you feel and your learning caters to you. You go get what you feel you need and you want. Well, teaching and learning doesn't work that way. If you have a child, you understand the child can't dictate to you how it should be taught. It can't dictate to you how he or she should learn what you should say. None of those things. That's not how you learn. You're too young to make those decisions. You have to learn by someone that is smarter than you uh, have a better understanding than you to bring understanding and to teach you what the, what needs to be taught to you, not what you want to learn. But that's how people are learning now. They're just Googling what they feel they need to know. And that is just not how things should work. But that's what's happening with idols. Idols in your heart prevent God's process of teaching you. It just prevents it. And that's why people are, you know, have itching ears. The Bible said they would have itching ears and um, they would heap up on themselves. Teachers, meaning they will go find the people that will teach the way they want to be taught, learn the way they want to learn. It said that they won't be able to endure sound doctrine. What does that mean? That means they can't sit through someone actually teaching them God's way. Someone trying to discipline them, somebody going against their flesh and their will. They can't sit through it. Hey, why would I sit through that when I can just Google what I need to know? I can just YouTube what I need to know. And this has created, uh, you know, just a group of people that can't hear or can't receive the knowledge of God. They have high things, which could be just their own attitude, high above the knowledge of God or being able to understand what God knows or receive what God knows. This is our world as it is today. And I'm not saying that the church 
doesn't have error. The church has failed many. The church didn't, you know, a lot of churches didn't do what they should have done or wasn't diligent enough or they got about it, it became about politics to them. It became about, you know, excelling and being this and that or proving their spirituality, all these different things. Yeah, the church has error, but this doesn't mean we vacate the church. This doesn't mean we give up on the church. If the seven churches of Asia, which five of them had severe issues, if God didn't close those churches or rebuke them or shut them down, he just told them to repent. And that's what we need to do now. We need to repent. We need to pray. We need to get before God so he can fix what is wrong with the church so that people can learn the knowledge of God and learn what God knows the right way. But for many of us, our very desires are what these idols are. So these idols, when they become internal, when those statues and those images of Apollo, Athena and all the gods and Greek gods or all the false gods, Molech and all of these gods, Aku and, and Oz and all these different gods that people serve back in the day. Those gods or those images are now in the hearts of men. And these idols are, are in our hearts and our very desires or what we consider needs or wants have become idols in our heart. I'm going to give you four of these that I believe are the most prevalent that are in our in, in people today. And I believe all four of these are idols that are in people's hearts that keep them from knowledge of God or keep them from knowing what God knows. The first one. Man, wanting a husband or desiring to be desired, wanting a wife, wanting a girlfriend, boyfriend, wanting a partner, wanting someone in your life. This can be idolatry. Now, understand something. Anybody that knows me knows I'm the one that always talk about our roles in the home. I'm, a, I'm the one that's always saying that, you know, God created woman for man and these kinds of things. But a lot of times wanting it. Over wanting God can put you in a bad situation and it usually stems from young relationships. So when a child is in when a person is in their developmental state and they embark upon a relationship with a girl or a boy, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, this builds a need in their development to where they feel they can't develop without this person. Then when they break up with this person, it affects it, it ripples through their future, all other relationships, everything affected by it. And so because of that they long for something they long for something else and they don't feel it with God God is not enough they have to have a man they have to have it so every decision they make is to try to get a man every decision they make is to try to get someone instead of just seeking God and allowing God to take care of that for you y'all know this can be an idol there are women that just go to church because they want a man there are women I mean we have them that have left our church just because they felt there were no men and they were where are the men? Why, why there's no men here? Well, if that's why you come to church, then you're going to be disappointed. You should be coming for God because I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, you're invisible if you're not ready and God will hide you and he will hide men from you. He will hide your wife from you. He will hide things from you if you're not ready just so that you can get ready so you won't mess it up when you finally get that person. So a lot of times that desire, that strong desire can be an idol. And I understand it's a natural response, but if you put it before your desire of God's plan to do it the right way, 
where he fixes us and heals us, then it becomes idolatry. And this can cause a person to make their relationship with God contingent upon finding what they want. So, I'm, like I said, the knowledge of God, learning the knowledge of God, they'll put themselves in a position in a church that's teaching stuff that's not even of God just because there's men there. They'll put themselves somewhere where, you know, I, I, I just want to be here because men are here looking at me and somebody's going to select me. Well, you got to understand the gospel that's being preached there is false. If things are false there, if things aren't right there, then you're not going to get what is right from there. So even if you got someone, if they planted themselves there, if that's their understanding, then you're going to become subject to that. And it's probably not going to end well. So we can't let our desires lead us. We have to let truth lead us. And it has to be right from the beginning in order for it to be right in the end. Understand this, please. This causes a person to put push truth totally aside to fulfill their own desires and make their own way just to get what they want. So this is a person that is ignoring the knowledge of God or doesn't even want to know what God knows. They just want what they want. The second uh, thing I feel is, a, is an idol in the hearts of people today is wanting recognition and seeking accolades. That is a form of idolatry. When you promote yourself or desire to be promoted, you are taking that power from God and using it for your own glory. The Bible calls this vain glory for your own glory. These idols put your needs and wants above the safety and well-being of those around you. So you'll begin to hurt people around you looking for recognition. Any person that's looking for recognition and accolades is going to hurt the people around them because they're going to have to hurt other people to get what they want. They're going to have to go against what is right to get what they want. If you're seeking that for yourself, God doesn't want us seeking recognition and accolades. He wants us humbling ourselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking, wanting a promotion on your job. There's nothing wrong with wanting to excel, make more money, those kinds of things. But if you're looking to be praised, if you're looking for people to call you great and those kind of things, you're going to end up hurting other people. That is definitely an idol in your heart. So you have to be very careful with selfish ambitions. And then the third one, unforgiveness and bitterness can be idolatry. I know somebody say, how can that be an idol? You don't understand. Some people, their unforgiveness and their bitterness, they raise above the knowledge of God. So even when it comes to learning about God, their bitterness and their unforgiveness will make them shun the very person that can help them preach to them teach them those kind of things they'll shun it just because there's so much bitterness and unforgiveness in them and i've been talking about offenses because the bible said in the last days many will be un, uh, uh, offended they will begin to hate one another and then betray one another well this same hatred and betrayal goes for the church for christians for pastors for leaders all of these things people will betray their leaders and different things and go against the person that can actually teach them about god because they're carrying so much unforgiveness and bitterness in their heart. Many today, they're allowing their feelings, they're just their emotions to supersede God's word. They put their feelings above what is written. In order to legitimize these desires, they believe God is speaking to them and leading them. So now they done put God and made God their feelings. And that's new age, y'all. That's the new age philosophy. We think it's God speaking, but it's really just the way we feel. And, and the way we know that is we're going against the word. The word is what lets us know what God is saying. Don't tell me God is telling you something that's not in the word. Don't tell me God is telling you something that goes against the word. That's 
that's your feeling. Those are your emotions talking to you. But because TV and Internet and social media and these things have raised our feelings and personal uh, uh, wants and desires so high within ourselves and we spend all day uh, validating ourselves with checks and likes and comments and views. All of those things are validating us all day. We think what we're saying, I mean, what we're hearing is actually God, but we've really just become our own God. And so we've legitimized everything because we think it's God and we think God is speaking to us. And, you know, all of this is idolatry because um, when a person is lifted up in their emotional state higher than God's will for them, then they are serving another God. And that God might be mammon or that God might be themselves. And God says you cannot serve two masters. That's why I say unforgiveness and bitterness can be idolatry. And the fourth way that um, uh, I believe uh, idols get in people's heart is striving for success. Striving for success is idolatry. Our society promotes this more than any other idol. We are told when we are born what we're going to be and to be everything, to be this, to be that. We're told to be everything but what God created us to be. It's not spoken over us. He's going to be a good man, a good woman. He's going to be a good husband, a good father. She's going to be a good wife, a good mother. The things that we were created to be according to God, fruitful and multiply. These things are not spoken over us. I mean, from a young age, we're told our occupation and our ability to make money, those things. This is an issue that puts striving in us at a very young age. Then once we're older, we've accrued so much debt, so much baggage, so much trauma from doing things our own way, trying to strive all of our lives until we, you know, we begin to feel that we have to finish what we started or we're a failure. And people feel they're a failure in life when they lose their job. We're a failure because I don't have this car. I don't have this house. I don't have this much money. I, I don't I can't buy these clothes and different things. People are looking at those things to judge themselves when they sh- should really be looking at what kind of husband am I? What kind of father am I? What kind of mother? What kind of wife am I? These are the things God created us to be. And if you're not married, what kind of servant of the Lord am I? What is my relationship with the one who can give me purpose the one who could give me the job the one who could steer me in the right direction what kind of relationship do I have with him these are the questions we need to ask but because striving is such an idol we begin to feel that we have to finish what we started what we've invested all this debt baggage trauma all these things this causes us to make God's plan totally irrelevant to us or we begin to change God's plan and believe that what we're doing must be his plan Either way, we're in a bad state when we strive for money, power and prestige just to show others or prove it to ourselves. Y'all, all of that is idolatry. Now, understand something back to the Hebrew boys story. The Hebrew boys decided that they weren't going to bow to the king's image. But you got to understand what they were risking here. OK, they were promoted. Now, if you were a slave, somebody came and got you unloosed your chains and brought you into the king's courts and you became an ambassador for the king. You were lifted up high in front of the king. Now you're being treated better. Now you're being cleaned up and now you have a position, a prominent position in the land. And all you have to do is just periodically when you hear this music bow to the king's image, a lot of people would take that deal. But the the, the, the Hebrew boy said, no, I can't do that. So 
This tells us that they were never striving for success. God gave them the success. God promoted them. And they understood that. And they understood bowing would be compromised. And even though they were in captivity and, and in high ranking uh, positions under the king, they never forgot who put them there. Understand, they never forgot who put them there and why they were there. So they never forgot the law of God, the law of God back, back in Exodus. And let's go Exodus 34 and 12. It says, take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whereas thou goest let it be for a snare in the midst of thee but ye shall destroy their altars break down their images and cut their groves for thou shalt worship no other god for the lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god so this is important the hebrew boys never forgot where they came from they never forgot the law of god so they were saying i'm we'll risk it all we'll risk our positions we'll risk our influence we'll risk it all before we bow down, we are not bowing down to this image because that is not our God. This is important to realize because when we strive and, and seek self-glorification, we take our lives into our own care and we're responsible for our progress. They didn't want to be responsible for their progress because they never asked for it. God promoted them. So because God promoted them, they trusted that they trusted God. They put their faith and their trust in God and said, we'll risk it. So the fire that was coming to purify them they knew this fire is not gonna hurt us but even if it does we've done what God wanted us to do we have to stand strong for God and we can't forget his laws and his rules even in the face of of burning fire these Hebrew boys never forgot who graced them uh, to be in power in this pagan city. The boys were treated like royalty, but they continued to stand and say, hey, take the royalty away. Don't just make us slaves again, but we're willing to die for our God. Y'all, this is very important. Why sell out the God that puts you there? And listen to this. Why, why would you sell out the God that put you there? So when the test comes and the trials come, why would you give up to the, give up on the God that brought you this far? That's what a lot of people are doing now. And that just makes me scratch my head. Oh, my goodness. The word of God brought you this far. The truth brought you this far. You were right there. And then you quit. Then you walked away. Then you threw in the towel. What well, I mean, what were you serving? What were you believing up until now? So we know that their belief, the, the Hebrew boys belief must have been valid because they trusted God in the face of death. Uh, Daniel 3 and 16 tells us Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said unto the king Nebuchadnezzar after he told him, hey, we're going to throw you in the fire. They said, we don't even have a, a, a need to answer you in this matter, meaning we're not answering to you because you're not our God. So if you're asking us a question why we're not bowing to you, you're not our God. You will answer to our God just as we have to answer to him. And then thir uh, 3 and 17 they said if this be so our god who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand king so you're not even in charge here they said but if not let it be known to you O king that we will not serve your gods we're going to do what exodus 34 says we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up we don't care about prestige we don't care about this position you've given us we care about the true and living god and doing what he said 
Okay, now the second part of this, I want to deal with it. I know I'm going a little long, but this is important stuff. This is what the fiery furnace represented. Fire purifies. Understand, the Bible tells us you try through fire. Fire, it, it, it brings out the impurities that are in gold. So gold isn't real gold unless fire first extracts the impurities out of it to make it pure gold. So we understand fire is a form of purification. God was using this to show how fiery trials can test our motives. So God was allowing the fire to test the, mot- the, the motives of the Hebrew boys and at this time and everyone that whether they would bow to the king or they would bow to the true and living God, the fire was the test. First Peter one and seven says that the trying of your faith or the trial of your faith uh, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So fire is a purifier when we are really going through tough times. How many of you have been really going through tough times? We all understand that we all go through tests and trials and fiery trials. We should rejoice according to the Bible that God is using this fiery test that you're going through to purify your hearts and burn up all the idolatry that is in us. Now understand in our society, idolatry can get in you without you even knowing it. Sitting up watching TV, Netflix, sitting up, uh, you know, and I understand there's nothing wrong with good entertainment, pure entertainment, or if it's wholesome or it's just not a whole bunch of foolishness going on. You know, I understand that, but just sitting up watching that all day, trying to watch all the series you can in one day and just on social media all day. I was telling someone the other day when I got off social media, I have literally in the last three months that I've been off social media, I've read 17 books. Those books would not have get. I probably would have read one or two, maybe while I was still on social media, because I would spend the day on social media, looking at it, trying to minister, trying to answer people, trying to do all these different things, just watching likes and comments. And view. I had no idea how much time I was investing in that, man, it, just, it was just demonic to the point to where it shut off my learning and my progress. And so that's, but that's another message for another day. But I'm telling you, all of these different things, God puts us through tests to get these things out of us. God puts us through trials to put us on our face, to put us on our knees, to get these kinds of things out of us so he can purify us and make us better. Like I said, he's preparing us for his return. So he, he allows us to go through these things to prepare us for his coming so we can be that church without spot or blemish. God is burning our motives and and he allows fire to burn our motives and self plights away through these fiery tests. First Peter four and 12 says, beloved, think it not strange. Don't think it weird concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. So don't be, woe is me. Why am I going through this? What's going on? Lord, why are you doing this? What are I? No, don't think it's strange. This is God's process. He said, rejoice in as much as ye are partakers in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding exceeding joy so god wants to get his glory revealed through you but he can't if there are idols if these idols are in your heart you have to be willing to allow this fire the the fiery trial to burn the idols out of your heart now uh other aspects of this is that you know another aspect of this whole story uh god would uh, have begun to show me a couple of things uh, uh, two things that i hadn't seen before in this story the first one uh is that once they refused to bow the hebrew boys refused to bow and were cast in the fire which remember the fire was heated up seven times hotter because the king was so angry that they 
you know, basically said, we don't answer to you. We answer to our God. He got mad. That would always make a king mad. He heated the fire up seven times hotter. But some interesting things transpired during this process. The first thing is uh, that those that were putting them in the fire burned up god began to show me daniel 3 and 23 says because the king's order was urgent and the fire overheated the flame of the fire killed those men who took up shadrach meshach and abednego or the three hebrew boys so they were burned up god deals with those that try us and desire to see us burn so the people that may be putting you through the trial god is going to deal with them this is telling us that and this is why god commands that we pray for our enemies and those that persecute us because they're not going to get away with what they're doing and then the second thing Christ's image was present with them in the fire and we read that and uh, you know we see that in the scripture but understand God was with them through this whole ordeal God was with them when they were promoted God was with them when they decided not to bow God was with them the entire time because their faith was in God but his image became more evident as they went through the fire fiery tests and trials will always make God's presence more real and power to us uh, and powerful to us when we go through tests his presence is felt more as we draw nearer to him so understand as the fire persists as we go through a fiery trial we draw nearer to him and his presence becomes more and more felt to us and this is what happened to the Hebrew boys their stand and their commitment uh, to not compromise for the sake of promotion made God's presence so real that Jesus showed up as a fourth person in the fire as a testament of their faith and dedication to him so the you know as the fire was burning Jesus showed up right there with them his presence was not only visible through the miraculous act of them not burning even the king saw his presence so listen to this his presence was so so strong the king saw it daniel 3 and 24 says and king nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste he declared to his counselor didn't we put three uh, men bound in the fire they answered and said to him true that's true O king he said but i see four men unbound walking and listen to this they were unbound so not only did christ come in and keep them from burning but he loosed their shackles and they were able to walk about in the midst of the fire y'all this is so powerful the fire didn't hurt them they walked about now they were in the fire trust me they were in the fire and of their own volition they couldn't get out of the fire but while in the test while in the trial they were able to walk around freely this y'all this is so powerful god's power Jesus was with them visibly with them and gave them the ability to walk around and function even when they were going through they weren't gonna die it wasn't over it wasn't the end God gave them back the ability to be unbound even in the situation y'all that is so powerful going through the fire y'all is tough i'm not making it you know light it's tough it's tough to suffer through it's tough to go through fiery trials uh, you know it a lot of times it hurts a lot of times especially when it comes from people who say they love you people who say they care for you when they turn on you and begin to hurt you, y'all that's some tough stuff to go through it's really really hard but we must be purified through these fiery trials in order for us to stand firmer in the faith he's only preparing you he's only preparing you and the bible the beautiful thing is the bible tells us that after you suffered a little while then it will be over now listen they suffered in the fire they were unbound in the fire but eventually they were removed from the fire 
elevated and promoted. So understand you're only going through this for a season. It's going to be over soon. God is going to bring you out on the other side, but just stay with him. Don't compromise. Don't bow. Allow the idols, allow it to do its work. Allow it to work on you and work on your heart and remove these idols so you can be closer to God. You may have idols you don't know about. Allow God to show you those. Pray to God. Read the word. Turn off the distractions and get before God. If you want to get out of the fire, this is going to require some action. This is going to require you to dedicate yourself to him. We must not compromise or allow idols to set in our lives because when the test comes, listen, the more idols you have, the longer the test is and the hotter the fire has to be to burn these things out of us. So we have to be careful with this, but go through the process, y'all. Don't try to jump out of the fire. Don't try. Understand. Don't think it's strange. It is God allowing you to go through so he can bring the best out of you James 1 and 3 tells us this and I'm closing knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience but let patience have her perfect work that she may be perfect holy and entire wanting nothing that's what the word perfect means it doesn't mean you're not gonna make mistakes even after the fire it doesn't mean that it means that you allow God's process to cleanse you you allow God's process to burn up the idolatry allow God's process to put you in a position where you're prepared for his return you're not just prepared for his return back to earth but you're prepared for his blessings on your life you're prepared for him to give you the things that he believes you need so that you can get past all of the issues, all of the uh, things that you've been dealing with all of your life. God is preparing you. That's what the fire is all about. He's preparing you for the better you at the end of the fiery trials. You've been listening to A True Church Perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis, founder of EX Ministries and pastor of the Adamant Believers Council in North Richland Hills, Texas. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to be a financial blessing to us, please send your donation to EX Ministries, P.O. Box 24870, Fort Worth, Texas 76124 or donate online at exministries.com. 